learning about renovations. It's helped us enormously in, in building our own business and how to run our business. It's really important to, to get together with people who can really help you improve your life. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, everyone. So today I have a very exciting guest. So I have Lisa Browning, who, along with her husband, Richard, travel all over Australia doing renovations and building projects in remote locations. And Lisa says that basically they are bringing the block to the outback. So there's a lot more to Lisa than meets the eye. And what I'm going to do is bring Lisa in now and let her expand on her full toolkit of talents are. So welcome, Lisa. (laughs) What a lovely introduction. Thank you. (laughs) You're very You're a very accomplished renovator. Thank you. Yes, it's a bit of a passion. So I hope we are... uh, good at it we should be by now I'm, I'm thinking we've done enough now that we ought to be yeah and so do you want to just share maybe just give the listeners a picture of what your life looks like okay basically my husband and I Richard we spent I think it's usually around nine to 10 months of the year traveling all over Australia and doing building and renovation projects in really remote locations. If we've done really well and we've uh, organized ourselves properly, then we can have two or three months off in around the Christmas period. So we get to be with our kids and family and catch up with everybody. And yeah, so we come home to the East Coast in Queensland for that. Okay. And so... How many children do you have and what ages are they? Two. We've got uh, a daughter who's 23 and I've got a son. We've got our boy who's 19. Oh, no, sorry, 20. Gosh. And you also help business owners improving their work-life balance. Yes. What we've found is uh, we've done an incredible amount of gone through a lot of mentoring for our own business and uh, during the past learning about renovations and it's helped us enormously in, in building our own business and how to run our business and we in turn like to do the same and help other people do the same because the difference it can make to your home life balance and your home work balance can be absolutely enormous and we're living the benefit of living what we've been taught and now we get three months off a year and pretty much get to choose what we do so we're very lucky and and that's been largely a lot of to do with what we've been taught and the people who we've mentored with and it's it's really important to get together with people who can really help you improve your life and that's what we've found oh I absolutely agree I have a big budget that I spend on training coaching mentoring because it's what makes a difference isn't it absolutely Um, the the return is so much more than what you put out we found in every situation we've ever been in even when we've had to start out really small and be very careful with who we've had to help us fill in the gaps of what we've needed at the time and the it just keeps it's the gift that keeps on giving usually 
Absolutely. So you want to just start there on how you did get started. And I should add that Lisa is calling in from a remote location somewhere near the border between New South Wales and the Queensland. She's definitely walking the walk. And I'm really curious to know how you got started. Okay. Well, I guess the passion for property investment came from in my early 20s. I was really keen to learn about money and investing. I come from a household of very creative people who were probably not brilliant with money and I didn't want to be the same. So I absorbed as many books as I could on budget and renovating and not renovating so much as budget and money. And the back then the popular thing was to encourage you to go into shares or um, bonds and things like that and then they had this sort of section on property and I really knew very quickly that was what I felt I had an affinity for and I think a lot of us women do have an affinity for property and uh, it, it just felt very safe and tangible and that really suited my risk profile And from then on, I just absorbed as much as I could on um, property, reading property investor magazines, buying books on property and lending and uh, different kinds of property investment and pretty quickly learned that, uh, yeah, that I I loved the whole thing. So we went into property investment and bought rental properties, we flipped properties, we've um, done Airbnb with properties we've done all sorts of stuff and then we fell into what we're doing now so it's just a wonderful experience so that takes us to what we're doing now remotely that started off as a trip around Australia with the kids one of the biggest things I guess we wanted to bring with our children's education was we wanted to bring as much of the world to our children as we could possibly afford rather than reading about it in books going out and experiencing the world And uh, we've done a fair bit of traveling and lived overseas. But one of the bucket list was that we wanted to travel Australia with the kids. And we tried, I think, I think it was, what was the recession, Bernadette? Was that 2008? It was. Yes. But around 2008, I think we had two rental properties at the time. One was empty for, I think, five months. One was empty for seven months. We had to drop the rent by quite an enormous amount and property values were pretty ordinary at the time and plus my husband was working in the building industry and that sort of wasn't doing crash hot at the time too so we had to work interstate and had our stuff in storage so I think we tried to save up for three years I think for the trip around Australia it just wasn't happening husband and I had a, a meeting every Christmas and said look we're we gonna head out this year are we gonna is it gonna happen this year and I think it was the third year in a row we sat on the beach and no I don't think we can go this year and I think 24 hours later she turned to me and said do you want to go anyway and I went yeah let's go anyway <laughs> so basically we went on a wing and a prayer and we planned to leave I think that was Christmas time so we planned to leave in I think March I think it was March April and head out on the road and we we're in South Australia at the time so we had a wonderful time we'd heard there's lots of work up in Darwin coming let's just go and so we did and had a wonderful time between Adelaide and all the way up to the north in Darwin and had a ball and thought, right, spent too much money, now's the time to go and earn some before we keep going. (laughs) 
and we found that we hit Darwin way too early. All of the jobs that my husband could have done or worked in or that I could have helped with weren't on the map yet. The gas plant, I think, that was going in, that was still in its uh, tender period. The jail had already been built. There were all these projects that were not either not ready or too far gone for us in our industry, and there really wasn't a lot around. And then I found, I cannot remember now where, there was this tiny little thing on the, I don't know whether it was on the internet or on a paper or something that said work on a cattle station in the Kimberley for six weeks, renovating a house. And I thought, that's us. <laughs> so I rang some people that were in charge of that. And he said, look, I'm really sorry we haven't taken that ad down. We've already got a builder on the way. I'm terribly sorry about that. And then he got, instead of hopping off the phone, he had a little chat to us and found out all of the things we'd been doing and property and renovating and flipping and that had written a book about property investing. And he said, look, sorry, I, I do have to go. He said, just give me 10 minutes and I'll give you a ring back. And I thought well, someone must have phoned him on the other side and he was just being polite. So I got off the phone and thought, oh, that would have been wonderful. What a shame. So I got a phone call two minutes later and he said, we've decided that builder's not coming anymore. You've got the job. <laughs> so I said, oh, that, that's amazing. <laughs> so that's amazing and I said look I said we've got the kids with us it's about the trip around Australia do you mind if we do the tourist bit on the way and we don't hightail it there and he said no that's fine take your time get there so we did the tourist thing on the way and had a great time and then that six to eight weeks worth of renovating turned into nine months on that was a 1.8 million acre cattle station in the Kimberley in Western Australia and I think that was probably 2009, so maybe 11, 11 years ago, 11, 12 years ago that was. And we've been passed around with people ever since. <laughs> so there you go. Long story, short story. So lots of questions. Um, challenging. Was the first reno challenging? Did you find it hard to get supplies and I'm assuming you need some trades other than yourselves okay yes one of the reasons why our business is so successful is uh because we've had that background in renovation and my husband is a registered builder and he was a chippy before he was a builder was that we can do just about every trade except for when obviously not allowed to do electrical and we're not allowed to do plumbing I'm a, you can do basic plumbing, but not proper infrastructure plumbing. From that point of view, it was fine. And people love that because in working remotely, what people don't realise is that they charge travel each trade. So if you're doing a renovation and, and whether it's plastering, carpentry, electrical plumbing, each person that comes on site, tiler, whoever, painter, they charge travel. So let's say you're, I don't know, 250 kilometres from the nearest town base. They can charge up to $2.80 per kilometre to come out to site, plus 80 cents per tradesman in the car that is with them. And if they're only coming 250 kilometres to a job, then that sort of can be with one other guy in the car, whether it's an apprentice or an offsider, then that can be 900 bucks a day. Yeah. extra yeah. and invariably you've got they don't 
always bring what they need and they have to drive home to get more stuff and if they're coming for a job that's taking them a week and they're driving home every day you can imagine that can make a job thousands and thousands of dollars more each component of a renovation can have those thousands of dollars added and yes to your answer in terms of uh, logistics getting uh, materials and supplies you have to be super super organized you can't just nip down the road for a bit of no more gaps or a bit of tube of silicon you have to really have your ship in order uh, and know what you're doing so that's more or less what we really get we're very strong on project management so do you run like basic stock of most things is that how you like plugs and the things that you use? All- <laughs> yes, what we have is like a, what we have our little basic hardware. Now, when we first started and we were travelling around Australia, I think we just had our, Richard made up two drawers in the back of our, our full drive and he had the barest essentials of tools that he had in there just in case he got carpentry work. And uh, we had our old 1979 avenue caravan with a little rooftop tent so it was a really old sort of situation that we had going on there and then once we got passed around with everyone we were traveling with two cars one with the old van and one with the tool trailer so we was paying double fuel double everything so it, it was pretty expensive but we spent about three years finding the right rig so you have to be really careful everything for us we've managed to get it down to one car and one van that can go completely off road completely off grid and our toolbox is special so that when we drive up to site it, the car will lower itself and we can drive out from underneath our toolbox and then you can use it to drive to get materials yeah so basically everything that we have is down to size and weight and so you have to make sure that you have lots of odd things that you'll use all the time and then you've got to make sure that you're going to use each tool so every Christmas everything gets pulled out have we used this over the last year no not at all okay it gets stitched and then if we need more then we buy more so honing it all the time yeah. Benedict. I can imagine yeah I can't quite wrap my head around it to be honest but <laughs> tell me how do you work together because we've got another friend who is married to a builder and they do big DIY renovations. They have very specific jobs that each person does. Are you, do you work the same way? Ah, oh, now you're talking. Luckily, Richard's not here. We do really well together until probably September, November. Yeah. <laughs> and then, But it's actually, actually, no, it's not like that. I think more it's more in terms of working in really remote places. If you're working on places like cattle stations or sometimes we've worked in places like very remote missions, there's a very small cluster of people working and living together 24 hours a day. And that can set up some really strange social situations. And you do have to be exactly how you say, quite clear on what roles that you do have. So there are skills Richard has that I don't have. And there are skills I have that Richard doesn't have. So we do tend to defer to each other for those things. But we really work together well as a team, I find, and which really helps. But you are right. It does help if you do have areas of that you do specialise in. Yeah, I, definitely. I was going to say, I think you would have a pretty tight-knit team to be able to 
do that because you're spending so much time together and not that well resourced I would imagine that would put a strain on some relationships so it's awesome that you are able to do that and continue to enjoy it. I will say too, Bernadette, that I think with mentoring and coaching, I guess that really helps you too because it teaches you to communicate a lot more clearly on perhaps where things are not working so well or whether there are procedures or systems that you have in place that are a bit counterproductive. So I find that when we do fall into a spot where things are getting a bit niggly or nasty, (laughs) you do sit down and you can figure out, okay, so where is this going wrong and what's happening? And then you can figure out some sort of system or procedure to, because we're not perfect. I can tell you that by all means. <laughs> well, be the only, only couple that are not perfect, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really curious about the people that you work for. When you go, are you presented with, home interior design books with ideas oh that's an interesting question that depends on it depends on the project so we're very lucky we have a handful of people who hold us closely there's some of the wealthiest people in Australia and the biggest landowners in Australia and really wonderful very generous amazing people great to learn from because they own so many different properties and varying properties there are different roles that each property has so one of the first questions we always ask before we take on a new project or wherever we're going next is what is the role of the actual building that we're going to be working on or what project we're going to be doing next so if it's for the owners and it's their own homestead or homesteads or maybe a town base that they may have in town near their kids going to boarding school or something like that that's a totally different project than when you're looking at say ringers and their staff quarters or perhaps a station camp kitchen that sort of thing so you really have to look at its role who's going to be using it and what's the story behind why renovation is needed yeah, it's, I guess I, we know that uh, uh, women who have an interest, most women have a, a passion for their home. And so I'm just, I was just really curious to know whether someone that's stuck out in the thousands of acres does what we do, which is drool over the uh, beautiful interior design books and imagine how our home would, would look if we use those ideas. And I thought that obviously if someone's coming to work on their home, I would imagine that they would have had some ideas that they might want you to try. Absolutely. Our very next project that we're finishing up here on the little fiddly bit end of where we are at the moment on this homestead, big, beautiful, rambling homestead we're working on at the moment. But we're about to go to another homestead for the owners, which is a really exciting project. They've just got to the point where the kids have just finished all their expenses schooling. And so it's time to spend some money on the family home. And you're right, we've got pictures from Pinterest. We've got pictures from all sorts of different magazines or from house, that sort of thing. And we're going through the creative 
stage at the moment of discussing the role of things. We've got engineers involved with, we can't just casually remove an external wall of a massive Queenslander without some serious engineering going on. So we're at the moment liaising with engineers about how we're going to to do this it's a beautiful kitchen that they're going to be putting into the house and changing that into a big entertainment area so it's, it's going to be really lovely and also we've got an engineer in lockdown at the moment so it's all getting a little interesting in <laughs> lockdown <laughs> yes the situation where that couple have left Melbourne when they oughtn't and travelled through to Queensland so our engineer has been caught up in that and was in I think a cafe in Moree or something like that when those people were meant to have come through so he's in self-imposed lockdowns yes so we've but it's all good we're sorting it through. (laughs) I'm assuming you do lots of upcycling. Yes, we do a lot of upcycling with things. Uh, I'm very lucky. I have a very clever husband who can, he's extremely resourceful and can think of ways of using what, what is on site. One of the things we do when we turn up is go for a little scavenge hunt and have a look at what's around, where all the spare stuff they have, tins of paint and screws and God knows what else and sheds and bits and bobs so that we're not necessarily bringing in materials that they possibly already have stashes of and saving them money that way. Wow. And do you have a long-term goal? Like where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Well, that's a really interesting question at the moment. We're in a very, I guess, a consolidating phase at the moment and we're always learning. At the moment we're hopping into a new area of property investment, which is one area that we've not really explored before. I've always been a massive fan of property investment, more to do with the domestic home or units, that sort of thing. But we're at the moment doing mentoring on uh, commercial property. So we're learning about that, seeing how we can tie in renovation, that kind of thing. So I guess we're moving into a new sort of phase where we're looking at investing in perhaps combining business, commercial and renovation all together. So I'm not quite sure, Bernadette, it's, it's all kind of warming up to something a little bit exciting, I think, at the moment. You just never know when you're learning stuff, like you're listening to a podcast like this, or you're listening to a seminar, or you're going to property women's groups, and you're learning all of the time. And it can be just little bits of this and little bits of that. And ideas when you're out on the job and you're in the middle of it and things pop into your head and sometimes a whole lot of things can come together and add up to something really interesting. Oh look I I I agree I think and the other thing that I notice is there is a potential project just that around every corner once you you are in that mindset, you're just seeing them all over the place and, and often it's about filtering out what you shouldn't be doing. Absolutely. <laughs> I find that quite challenging because I, I want to do everything and so I do have to regulate myself when I'm looking at potential projects because sometimes I just take on too much. So too, your creativity can get involved and you can see the potential of something and and that, that would be a great idea but then once you break it down in your mind you say no that's probably not a good use of my time but it would be great yeah 
So you definitely do. You have to cull all the time in terms of, but that, that's where we're at the moment. I don't know if that answered your question, but we, we're getting pretty excited. Awesome. Look, watch this space, I think, is the answer to that question. <laughs> yes. Tell me, what's the, what's the most interesting thing that's happened to you in your journeys as a remote renovator? That's a really good question. I guess it's the people and the places that we've met along the way and the way that we're welcomed into their families and being made a part of their lives and their businesses and the things that we've managed to do and get invited and be a part of that would never have been part of an everyday life that we had back as townies. Yeah, I think and also every renovation, I'm a little bit obsessed with renovating. So and houses and all that kind of things. Every location we go to in each new project is pretty exciting for us. And we've got to the stage now in our business because of all of the business mentoring we've had and how we run our business. We're almost in a situation now where we can pick and choose what we like to do and the people we work for. So we've worked really hard to get to that position. So it's pretty rewarding and I'm assuming that you find your work via the grapevine would that be right yes I guess so I, I, I do hear that there's quite a few people that have found us um, through social media and that sort of things um, we've had quite a few interesting people contact us through there and yeah it, it, it does we get some really interesting people coming through our door asking us to do some really interesting things so yeah it's a, it's a great we feel very lucky very blessed <laughs> awesome and I noticed in your projects you've got some flips in there how often would you do a flip when we were doing flips that was in South Australia and I found that it was actually great because that really good property um group down there like it's actually really a tight knit or it was at the time when we were there of people who are into property investing and they do go out and meet each other and they do talk to each other and help out each other and it was just a really great environment down there to learn we're from the east coast and we did live down in south australia during that global financial crisis because it wasn't so badly hit down there everything's carried on fairly much as normal down in adelaide but it was wonderful in terms of you'd be going out every weekend looking for properties and you'd mapped out on Google Maps the best route of what you were going to look at and opening times for properties and really targeting the ones that you're trying to hone in on for what you're going to flip. And you'd see your same old crowd of your friends <laughs> doing the same thing and that's great, you yeah. know, you can get together yeah. out, outside in the cars and talk about what you thought were the positive parts of properties and not positive parts of the properties. And maybe depending on how close you were, someone would say, well, I've managed to tick off the real estate agent. I gave too cheeky an offer, but if I think you gave them this, I think you'd get that sort of thing. And so we all really helped each other. It was great. But all in all, to answer your question, I found the whole process between doing your research, going out every weekend to find a property and then securing the right property at the right price, getting all your ducks in alignment, basically. The whole process would take around six months, 
even if yeah. our renovations yeah. were as short as three weeks in terms of five, looking for properties, yeah. honing it in. It, it is a big project. So we were doing sort of once every six months or so. But at that stage, that was when the global financial crisis was actually reaching Adelaide and things were slowing down, not as badly as everywhere else. And then that's when we took off for our trip around Australia. That's when that came to a, a bit of an end. But it's not over. It's just we moved on to other things that were more beneficial for our time. So your model is more like it's purely a done-for-you model where you only renovate for clients? At the moment, yes. But we still have in mind doing our own projects on the side, but we haven't honed in exactly where or how we're going to do that I think that we've done enough renovations now to know that we've got complete clarity on what it is that we're wanting to achieve in terms of what it's going to do for us and I think that we'll spend a fair bit of time trying to find that at the moment and I think too I don't know how you feel about it but there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment there's a lot of property swapping a lot of people are feeling a lot of financial uncertainty the stock market's not it's all over the place and there's all what's going on with Bitcoin and the value of the dollar, what's happening in America, everything at the moment. So having that wider, broader, bigger horizon of what's going on financially in the bigger world is, I can see why people are really swapping and jumping into property at the moment from that point of view, but it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. the best environment to be doing renovating in. There's not a lot of fat in the sandwich necessarily depending on where you're looking at yeah we're fine yeah I think it depends on where you are because I've just found some amazing deals recently but of course it's like anything you've got to really know your market well and to be able to identify them but I always think I feel that there's always a market for renovating like I've been doing it for 35 years and I think that when the market changes you adjust your strategy there's no doubt about that just for instance our next project we're doing in Newcastle because we wanted to do a house and in Sydney the price of houses has just gone off the charts and what do you do if you can't find you want what you want you just go to where you can find it yeah and I agree with you about the two a year I always think that doesn't matter how fast you are by the time you've had secured the property you've renovated it you've sold it you've waited for it to settle two a year is the limit unless you can buy more than one at once and that's a bit of a restriction I personally think two a year is enough it's a big ask of your time and if you're a family and you're a mom and you've got kids as well there's a I guess if you're doing it full time as a job and you don't have another job then perhaps you can manage the two. But if you are working and you're trying to make that bridge between replacing your everyday job income and becoming a full-time renovator, you're juggling a lot of balls in the air and it's definitely doable. We're all doing it. But sometimes the price can be very high with losing time with the people you love. And that's very important too. Oh, I totally agree. And I guess you've probably too dragged your children around and had them while you're in the middle of renovating and had them set up with their own little table and chair and colouring in stuff and watching movies and whatever have you in a room where they, they're allowed to do their thing and <laughs> while yep. you're still madly painting in another. And in the process managed to convert so far all but one into renovating. <laughs> work on <laughs> uh, still working on how many kids have you got 
four. Oh, wonderful. Three out of four. That's pretty good. Well done. <laughs> I'm happy with that. So um, anyhow, we'll see how it goes. I'll get the baby eventually. It's actually interesting at the moment. I have sent a few deals through with the kids on links from realestate.com.au this last week. And I, I did get quite a lot of interest back, which I thought was great. I've got that. I'm quite happy about that. I don't want to foist my interest on my children. My parents tried to do that with me and it backfired. So I'm really trying to be very casual about it, but it'd be interesting to see how they go, whether they run for the hills or whether they come into the fold, so to speak. Well, you know what, Lisa, I'll let you in on a secret. So I have found the recipe for getting your kids very interested in renovating. So our eldest... Tell me, I'll write it down. (laughs) Um, She has a career in finance and she was not one little bit interested in renovating because she was all about shares. And we started doing projects with our kids. So when they can get a job, we team up with them. They um, get the loan. We put in the cash for a project and we do a flip. And so each of them's getting 100000 out of one of those projects. We've got, we've done two. Our third one's almost ready. And no kidding, once Hannah realised the impact, she is right there. So she's bought, then they, she and her husband bought a house for themselves, which they're renovating. Now they've just bought a, like a beach house, which they're renovating. They've just done a major renovation over three weeks and a lot of DIY. So I, the way to do it is show them the money. They get very. Okay. So, so when you're saying you put in the cash to do you pile the materials, you do all of the work with the trades. Is that what you're saying? So basically, the idea was we'd run the project together. We don't do, we do almost no DIY, okay? So the idea was they get the loan and you need about 40% of the value of the property in cash. So we put the cash in, we do the project together, we manage it together, we sell it, and then we split the profit. And they get the first 100000 So we get our money and then, yeah, so that's how it works. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think you've got absolutely formula there. 100%. If they know they're going to be getting 100 grand out of it, they'll be there with bells on, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then they've got to have skin in the game too in order to understand the value of what they're doing, to understand the risk, to understand their responsibility in the whole thing. So Definitely. I have found that if you try and do everything for the kids, then then there's no lesson out of any of it. There's nothing, no value out of it. I totally agree. I was even anti-pocket money. That's how mean I am as a mother. But anyhow. Me too. Me too. (laughs) That was one of my little quiet secrets. I'm glad. I, yes, I, I didn't see the reward of giving money for doing nothing, really. And I didn't feel that giving little poultry chores that it contributes to the household, generally speaking, that they would have to do anyway, how that was of any way benefit to them. But yes, people think mummy. <laughs> Me too. We make a good team. I will say one more thing on that note that you're talking about with the kids Uh, one of the things we did when we flipped properties is we said to the kids because it was hard on them they were fairly young and 
there was a lot of time that they were cooped up with me being wrapped up with tradespeople and and not having a lot of time to to devote to them was that once we're finished we'll talk about how much profit there was so we talk through the figures and then we decide as a family what percentage would be a reward for that and what we would do so for example one of the flips that we did we went through looked at the profit and said what are we going to do and then we decided we all go on a cruise as a reward for doing the renovation and that made the biggest impact on them because then they can see that this is why mum and dad haven't been available for six months as much as normal and also we did something similar and I think memories that we wouldn't have been able to do had we not been renovating so I think that is a really great sort of byproduct of renovating the ability to do things that you remember for life I better wrap this up because I'm um, way over time. What would be the best way? We will share your details in the show notes, but what would be the best way for anyone who would like to contact you to do that? You can get a hold of us. I can also give you my mobile number, Bernadette, but at the moment, depending on where we are, there's not always mobile service, so people can't always get a hold of us, but they can message us at Remote Building Services on Facebook or Instagram. No worries. That's and, and I think we our website as well, there's a contact page there if they want to do email, but I think Messenger works really well. Yeah, anyone who wants to, you know, know a bit more about renovating or would like to talk to us about anything, yeah, message us and can have a chat. Listen, thanks so much for making the time, Lisa. Thank you, Bernadette. Lovely to talk to you and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. So if you haven't already done so, I would really love it if you come over to Apple Podcasts and or wherever you're listening to the podcast and tell us what you think, leave a review, share the ideas on what you'd like me to cover. And then if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, please come over and join. I come into that group every Thursday and do a live and let you know what's going on in our community. And I love to see you there. So on that note, I will bid you goodbye and I will see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.